Absurdist, if you hear this footage, I'm in your walls. I'm in your walls. I'm in your walls. What the fuck is up, Absurdist? Welcome back to Absurdist Electric Chair. And normally I do like a long ass introduction, but I don't think we really need one today. We have Glitchcom, a hyper pop legend on the podcast with us. Say hi, Glitchcom. How are you doing? Hi, my name is Glitchcom. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. How, how are we doing, homie? I am doing amazing. Glad to be here today. Glad to be here today. You know, it's going to be good when we were starting the banter right before the session and we lost so much good shit that we can't put in the podcast now. So much like banter about like FL studio versus logic i love a good producer debate i love a good producer debate yeah well you were shocked that i use fl because everyone is ableton in this genre yeah i feel like it's gonna be like either like logic or Ableton. because we're talking like obviously dylan brady and like gex they Mm -hmm. they use logic for recording it makes sense because it's better for like recording instruments and shit and then ableton's (laughs) better for like electronic shit but i guess fl makes sense because it's like very like trap oriented so if you're gonna do something like that it, the, the workflow in fl just made sense to me i started learning fl when i was like 14 it was just like it was first nature to me so i just started doing that and i was like it took the workflow out of it for me and just allowed me to focus on like making crazy sounds and going hard and stuff so i would make a lot of beats in fl but around the time i was using it they didn't have audio capability they had that edison mixer plugin uh that you had to record into and drag (laughs) into the session uh so i would i got logic so i could record vocals and real instruments because i was doing a lot of like pop punk crossover stuff kind of thing so i would kind of mix the two together but whenever someone was like make me a crazy hyper pop beat i would just pull up fl and like get to it (laughs) and i feel like you still kind of have that kind of like pop punk sensibility in your work not necessarily like with like the full-fledged guitars or anything really like instrumentally but i feel like your voice is still very like not like the stereotypical like pop punk nasally like emo very like uh what's the word for it Mm, angsty sound like so are there any like what like are you drawing upon there in terms of pop punk in terms of influences and who are you listening in that sphere oh yeah well uh, one of my biggest influences of all time is blink 182 and green day those are bands that i was listening to when i was a kid those are some of the first bands and paramore that me and my brother connected on i'm the youngest of two so that was just very special to me and so i incorporate a lot of blink and a lot of like paramore stuff into what I'm doing. There, there's also a couple songs on this album that I just put out, Sprinkles, that are direct, like pop punk kind of homages. But I'm also drawing from underscores. Then Gabby start. Sydney, I'm gonna make you mine. Get you have a lot of other boys standing in line. You don't wanna follow. And Jacob Mm. Jeffrey and the way that they blend punk and rock music with the more electronic sounds. I've been really inspired by that. So it's just making a merger of the two worlds with my music. It's the newer sphere of like, like I've been calling it like hyper punk. Yeah. But I personally love that wave. I think that's the most exciting thing in hyper pop coming up for me mm-hmm. in terms of like the traditional sound of like hyper pop in terms of just like you just throw in a super saw then an 808 and then like you're done it's like that's getting a little like trite and old to me so i'm glad that so many artists like you are bringing in that kind of like rock sensibility to it and i think it's also giving like it's giving hyper pop a refreshing edge but it's also giving rock a really really like hip and refreshing edge as well i think yeah it's adding more depth to both spheres and kind of bridging the gap 
between the two where there might have been one like four years ago. And you see a lot of a lot of artists in the rock sphere now, like Bring Me the Horizon and people of that nature bringing hyperpop elements into rock music. So the gap is is closing quicker and quicker. It really spoke to me because like that those are both of my worlds from like my whole life. Like I, I was a I was a punk emo kid. I came to college thinking I was going to make that kind of music and then kind of discovered 100 Gex and was like, no, I'm going to go like fully this way now. Uh, and yep, then yep. like as I've been building what I think my artistry is I kind of realizing that like the two can kind of coexist and like having artists like underscores and Gabby, like help me understand that they really did. And so like, that's kind of brought a lot of freedom to my music. I feel like, and I, I think to putting limits on, on music and, and genre kind of like limits creativity. So I just, I like combining, trying to combine everything that I'm into. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do this yep. whole ride. <laughs> And where did you go to college again? I went to Belmont in Nashville. Okay, that makes sense. That explains a lot why you're like in Nashville. Wait, so what did you study at Belmont? I love Belmont. I toured there when I was looking at colleges. and I think it's like a phenomenal school, personally. Uh, yeah, I studied music, actually. <laughs> I was a bass major. A lot of people thought oh, I was okay. audio engineering because of Glitchgum, but I studied music and my emphasis was music technology. So that was where the like logic and Ableton and FL, well, we didn't use FL, but like that's where that like production knowledge came in. Yeah. As well. I learned a lot about the industry through Belmont, but also through like being thrust into it. Yeah. Around you obviously have a city there like to like help you out and to like perform there and like mm -hmm. i don't know i haven't been to nashville that much but like correct me if i'm wrong but it seems obviously you have like the big predominant like mainstream country thing which is how like everybody views nashville solely but you also have that like newer like indie indie rock scene mm -hmm. but like i don't think there's a ton of like besides you in the way of like hyper pop there so what's that dynamic like that's a very common dynamic in hyper pop like you have a lot of people from the midwest and just like the middle of like nowhere type vibe not that Nashville is that it's kind of like the in-between point which is what i think makes it interesting it's in between middle of the nowhere midwest and new york city or la right and it's like in the south so it's interesting that there's people who make hyper pop music in there there is a small scene and it's kind of been burgeoning since i uh, started coming to nashville Shout him out. Yeah, shout him so out. Who are yeah, like yeah. The, the big up and coming people in the yeah, national hyperpop scene? Yeah, shout out Sophie Shreds, uh, Stecker, Ameva, Coleman X, um, Butterfly Blood. One of the members of the Frost Children and Blake the Man used to like hang around that area. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, I used to hang out with Lulu like all the time. That's so shocking to me. But I don't then know they why moved Lulu, to New like, York I... because like they're such New York people. Yeah. <laughs> no for real like they give off that they're like the peak obviously like new indie sleaze revival even though they've kind of like disavowed that a little bit like they're the peak of that kind of like thing in my head like they're very like cool hipstery late 2000s energy so nashville surprisingly i could never see them there yeah no me me neither like when i when i was like hey i was like what what's happening and then like 
a year later, she was like, yeah, I'm moving to New York with Angel. We're going to do the Frost Children thing. I was like, for real, for real. And I was like, that makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. I, yeah. And I didn't yeah. know that Blake used to be here for a little bit until like people told me. Cause like there were, there were a lot of Belmont kids that were like, you listen to Blake, the man. I'm like, obviously I listen to Blake, the man, but like, how are y'all, how are y'all so into him? You know, that also doesn't make sense. Like people at Belmont listening to like Blake, the man that's shocking to me. That's shocking. Yeah. There are some, there are some people who are really hip to what we've been doing. Like I've, I've had like full on conversations with like Nashville kids that are like, you listen to underscores, you listen to Jane remover. Whoa, this is crazy. I didn't know y'all listened to this stuff. <laughs> they got to bring subculture to Nashville now. Damn. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, Gannon has told me that they want to. It's probably just, like, touring logistics and stuff. It's 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 easier to do LA and New York. But, yeah, they yeah. should. I mean, but like... they did Tokyo recently, too. So, it's like, they're opening it up a little bit. So, they, they got to bring it to Nashville, so too. Yeah, I think so. I think it was, like, Sebi with them, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Shout out subculture. Shout out the subculture Zoom raves of 2020. Shout out subculture. And oh my god, that's how I first got in the hyper pop were those raves. The Zoom raves. <laughs> they really what helped me era. find my community, man. Like so many artists that I still work with. I mean, like I got into them through Melissa Brooks of the Aquadolls. She's really good friends with Gannon and Tyler, but I met so many people through there. That's where I met Laura Less, like in person, when I okay when I did an LA show, Damn. and I was so nervous. And I walked up to her and I said, "Hi," and she was kind of like, "Hi," because she doesn't know what I look like. And I was like, <laughs> "My name is Glitchgum," and then she was like, "Oh, what's up, dude?" I was like, "Oh, right, I forgot that part." <laughs> Well, yeah, because oh Alice, Alice Long Gal was playing. I actually didn't get the chance to meet her that day, unfortunately, but we've exchanged a couple DMs. She's she's sweet, but subculture really. ALG, I want to see her so bad. I want to see her I want to so see her live so bad. Oh, I again. got my passport to go see her and Rebecca Black in Canada, and then it got canceled. Yeah, I was so sad. That's but then, the one thing. Shout out Rebecca. I've not seen her live show yet. Like her full live show. We worked on a song called NGL off of the Rebecca Black is Here EP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when i did that subculture set and she performed that song so we did it together but like i haven't seen the full show but i've seen clips especially because my friends who see the show is like she's playing ngl look at this uh, but like the setup looks so crazy i can't i can't wait till it's my turn <laughs> she's amazing i mean i've seen rebecca 
twice now in London. And where else did I see? Oh, she fucking came to my school. She came to Syracuse because her <laughs> manager went to Syracuse. And then her day-to-day manager was literally studying at Syracuse at the time. One of my besties. Shout out Juliet Milber. But That's yeah, it was so random. Awesome. It was so fucking random. It was just like in the, the basement of our like student center. And it was just like Rebecca Black playing. And like one of the student punk bands was opening up as well. That was hype. that's so awesome Uh, she came to nashville once but i i had something planned and i didn't know it until like the day of and i'm like crap i was like rebecca i'm sorry and but like coleman went and like sent videos and she was playing ngl with a live drummer and i was like this is awesome Uh, um anyways i guess let's go back to the album tell me about the process behind that and how you got like into making that Sprinkles, I immediately started Sprinkles. I was just on like a kick of making music. So like as soon as like my first album called Life After the Demise of Planet Gumball came out and we'll, we'll get to the names in a sec because that's it. That's exactly why I named the album Sprinkles because the first album ask. title was so long. I was like, I need one word, all caps, <laughs> exclamation point. And I just it's very it like mid 2000s emo though. It's very like fallout boy panic at the disco. <laughs> what life after the demise of planet gumball. <laughs> and like how long it is. That's like the classic, like two thousands, like third wave emo Trinity, like stereotype is that the, the fucking names of the songs and albums are like fucking books so long yeah exactly <laughs> i was definitely pulling from that world i, I love listening to fall boy and panic at the disco in the day and it just it felt like the right name for the album and then i was like there was a lot of things about that album that i was like these are really cool that i did that but like for a first album that's crazy like the album title is super long it's a pseudo concept album and i was blending a lot of genres together and making this storyline and i was like that's awesome but for a first album especially coming off of like a big tiktok hit like never met i was like maybe i was doing too much maybe this time i kind of just focus on songs and making good songs and like focus on like having fun and so sprinkles the the concept of sprinkles is like just having fun with it and like or that's what it was until i started like getting sad and getting on my sad indie stuff um that's like the half that's the latter half of the album and so at as the process was changing i it was still focusing on like making each song stand out as if it were a single but like making it come together in this in this album but then as the process changed lyrically of like getting a little more introspective getting a little more emotional i was like okay this is clearly separating itself into two sides and i had this like loose narrative of the sprinkles radio station kind of tying it together because i was like i'm going to be pulling from a lot of different genres what if i kind of frame it under this radio station guys um and then i was like wait okay yeah so like and then i was like wait we've got this first half of the record that's very bubbly very upbeat what if that's like the morning the am block is what i call it and then the pm block is the second half of the album and that's more introspective it's also more organic instruments and more like um 
more like indie leaning, more punk leaning. And so I decided to split it up and then kind of release each individually before I put out the full album. And so that was kind of how I decided to market it because I worked on this album for pretty much two years. It's been, it's been two and a half years since I started the first song for the project, which was music on Apple. That was actually the first song I ever wrote for the project. This this has had a lot of time to breathe in my head. I kind of want to give it to people in more digestible chunks so that they can focus on like the vibe of each like side kind of thing. So and now here we are. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. How did you get like the the radio sound effects for that? Like the sprinkles um, radio. Ugh, time to pour me another cup of boring in the morning. Not anymore. Whoa, sprinkles radio. Yeah, that that was me recording was it on this mic saying sprinkles radio and then i would like pitch it down um that's also me oh at the, okay so like i'm doing like all the voices and then what happened was in mixing seth he i don't even know what sauce he used but he like used some kind of like warbly thing and put it under the whole thing so it's like you're listening to sprinkles radio and i was like that's awesome let's do that let's do that every time <laughs> It and doesn't then, sound like you at all. Because I like alter boyed myself so much to the point where like I, it was, I was trying to sound like a different person. Okay. And uh, we were like, okay, this is a radio thing. We need a jingle. And so I kind of just went sprinkles radio. Only on sprinkles radio. And like I had like the chords and I did all the harmonies and I was like, okay, we got a radio filter that and then we just got to put that we got to put sprinkles radio. And then there was an old idea for a tag where I said, you're listening to sprinkles radio, drop it. And I just took the drop it and I put it in different like parts of the album, kind of spread it out. So it's like a theme of the album, but not like really. But that was just cut. That just kind of became like an inside joke with me and my friends. I actually have drop it merch that I'm selling <laughs> as well. <laughs> it, it was designed by Elena Fortunes, actually. Very fortunate, no pun intended, to, to work with her. Shout out, Elena. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, but um, we will definitely link that in the description then. Yeah, yeah. yeah merch for sure, but, down um, in the description below. <laughs> Buy my merch link in bio. <laughs> Buy it on the TikTok store. How did Sebi get on the the remix on the album? Faker, faker, that was actually a pretty like late addition. I was teasing lasers, and there were some comments that were like, "Hmm, this sounds like Sebi. This kind of sounds like something Sebi would be good on." And I was like. You're right. So I reached out to Sebi and uh, his management and we just kind of took it from there because me and Sebi, we, we exchanged some DMs back in the back in the glory days of hyper pop and stuff. And uh, like we were aware of each other's existence. And I was like, you would freaking like kill this song. And so he sent his verse back like a couple weeks later and I listened to it and I was like, 
oh my goodness, like this is, this is going to like turn some heads for sure. And so like super excited that I got to get him on the album. And I was like, this needs to be part of the album. Like we need to just tack this onto the end and like as a bonus track and it's like, let people go crazy. (laughs) For real. I think it works for no other reason than like how silly it is. Cause that's Sevi's whole persona. I mean, it's that plus like kind of like the eight bit influences that come through that make it like, just like the perfect instrumental for Subby to rap on. And he really did eat on it. He really ate on it. It's so crazy. I just remember like getting the verse back and like he he had the money bars. He had he did that voice so stereo. Like I do it every day. I'm like a serial killer because I slept. That raspy thing he does. I was like, he gave me Sebi. <laughs> and that's amazing. That's amazing. Like and like did the beat cuts and everything. I was like, that's awesome. Like, I was like, thank you, like, for giving, like, me Sevi for the Sevi verse, <laughs> you know? And, like, yeah, I, I thought that, like, as I was thinking back to it, like, the instrumental that Fixel made, I was like, this would be perfect for Sevi because this is, like, this is, like, a throwback to, like, Slide and Poser and stuff like that. I was like, this this will be awesome. giving really Giving is. them, like, a taste of the old, the old Glitchgum and the old Sebi kind of thing, like a throwback. <laughs> complete throwback to like 2020 2021 like hyper pop scene absolutely that was kind of like the original laser song started in 2021 and that was a song that was like this is we we wanted to drop that immediately Mm. but i was like no we should put it on the album and then i was like well does it fit with the album like is it gonna sound dated and i was like no this song is so good and like it's so nostalgic to the point where i was like we could bring like hyper pop old like the old early hyper pop sound like back with this because it's it felt so genuine like when when we both created that song it was just like so genuine and i was like people are gonna feel that when we drop it in the year of our lord 2023 <laughs> and how did fixel get on the production originally for that song i reached out to her because of adhd by cm10 i spent the day inside again got too much shit inside my head i want to fade away but i don't Every single person that I know doesn't fuck with me It makes me go crazy But I don't know what the world that snippet was going around oh, crazy because yeah. yeah no like i was like what what is bestie up to and i found the adhd snippet and i was like this is crazy and then i i texted cole and was like you think you think fixel would want to like do something with me and he was like yeah just like ask her and i was like hi fixel uh could you make me a beat and she was like <laughs> yes this is awesome uh here you go like next day and i was like this is insane what if I very sped it like 20% (laughs) like absurd speed. Very slow. Like, this is like an emo vibe, kind of. <laughs> like, this is like Midwest. Oh, I could. S- do you mean Midwest is in Midwest emo, or do you mean Midwest is in Midwest is in like Midwest as in Edgar? Good. No, I could see Edgar on that so hard. Like, that's so like Summer 03. <laughs> Yeah, see, yeah, like it, that's, that's back to like the trying era. No, seriously, and it's it's very it's very that it's yeah. very like old Wikipedia. That's 
Estrada Barrio Campo yo lo lucario Mi sobre no la shit I'm gonna stop on like I'm Mario Si voy a tinto con tu vista Pena en el barrio I've been making all this Make a feel like Stuff like that Um I could also see Glaive on it Just like anybody from like 2021 COA Eric Kind of thing That was like the vibe I was on I was I was like Give me something that doesn't sound like ADHD, but has that like immediate hookiness of it. And then she sent me that and I was like, this is awesome. What if I sped this up so much, though? It wouldn't work if you had it at zero for like the pew, pew, pew. Like though, if you did that slow, that would not work. Yeah, I was. I think I, I think that's what happened. Is I was like trying to like off the cuff come up with lyrics to the 170, and I was like, what if I sped this up? And then I hit play on it, and I immediately just went pew 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 pew. pew. Oh wait, that's awesome. <laughs> that song came about so naturally too. Like that was one of the first times that I like used a beat from like someone else for one of my own songs. I I, colla I collaborate with everyone, but like I wonder like who. Oh no, that's not true. I have like a song with three dimensions apart, like on my SoundCloud. But I rarely do that because, or I used to rarely do that because I was like, who's doing what I want to do now? And then I heard Fixel stuff. I was like, this yeah. is awesome. This is gonna be great. And then I got that beat sent to me, and I was like, this is it. Kind of just wrote that thing in an hour. The second verse, I had to like come back to uh, it was something different i forgot completely what it was but it just wasn't hidden i just kind of came up with the flowbots bar yeah. and then just kind of like snowballed from there <laughs> that's what i love well, about wait, that, the that's, my, that's one of my favorite bars on the song wait how does it go i it's don't like, drink so call me flowbots so I, can't I can't handle bars i can't handle bars i'm on that's twitter so where funny. the handles are i just showed up in a thanos car i don't drink so call me flowbots i can't handle bars i'm on twitter where I just showed up in a Thanos car. I that, like, I really love the way that that verse kind of tumbles into itself. And like, then, right before that, what's the... You have, like, the 11 verse right before that? How does that oh, one yeah, go? Oh, yeah. I said, like, I just showed up to the rave all pink like I'm in camouflage. Spent 10 minutes Flash. in that space like CEO of Amazon. Wait, I was wrong. It was 11. Now my nose is bleeding just like I'm 11. Yeah, I was wrong. It, it was 11. Now my nose is bleeding which is a real thing. I get nosebleeds a lot. And then I said, I might throw a tantrum oh, okay, just like okay. I was seven. I might make some bacon just like I was Kevin. When I first heard that bar, I don't know what, because you were like going so fast when you said I'm 11, I heard 9-11 and I was like, kind of, kind of questionable. I don't know why we're referencing 9-11 on hyper pop songs now, but no, okay. No, no, no. And then it took me like five more listens to figure out what it was. Oh, I'm like, like 11 I'm from Stranger 11. Things. I was like, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, no, I, I probably didn't enunciate and the beat was going so fast, but I said my nose is bleeding just like I'm 11. Because I, I Cause said 11. I, didn't, I wasn't <laughs> listening fully to like the nose bleed part of it. So I was just like, like it was, it was like <laughs> the first listen. I was like, Sony, I'll cut it. And I was like, 9 11, what? Huh? Glitchcom, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no no oh my god would never say that yeah <laughs> but yeah really really proud of that yeah. song too because like i've tried so hard to be like funny in my songs like complete like the, i wanted to have a song that was like completely one-liners like some of the gex leaks or like food house like sebi kind of thing but it never came out right this one just like it kind of flowed exactly how i wanted it to it felt genuine kind of thing uh, so yeah. very, very proud of that and excited that people like it. And uh, I just played a release 
show for the album in Nashville. And when we hit lasers, people just went crazy. And I was like, that's what I wanted. Yay. <laughs> nice mosh pit to lasers. Oh, yeah. It was- and you have more shows coming up. Wait, was there an actual mosh pit? There was. Or was it more just like, okay. There was a, okay. there was a real pit. People were like pushing and stuff. It was a, in comparison to the, the amount of, to the turnout that we had, there was less people in the pit than like on the side, but like the people who were in it were like going hard. There's probably like 20 people in that pit. It was great. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. And you have more shows coming up. Chicago, Louisville, Columbus, Atlanta, Minneapolis, and Milwaukee. How does that feel? It feels incredible. I mean, like, since I was a little kid, what I wanted to do was, like, be a touring artist. Now I finally, I, I've been thinking about this for years since the Glitch Gun Project started. Like, as soon as COVID opened back up, I was like, how am I going to tour? And a lot of it has come down to money and, like, still is a big part now. But, like, I'm very blessed that I can, like, take a couple weekends to, like, go out and tour in places that I've never been before. I've got lots of Chicago fans, and I haven't been able to meet, like, a single one of them. And so that's been really cool. So I'm very excited about those shows. Um, Lots of variety happening. I mean, a big part of this tour is dates with a band called Honey Creek from Wisconsin, and they are a really cool pop punk band with like influences of hyper pop in them. And we're doing shows with like, we're doing a show with blind equation. Who's like a cyber grind band. So like what I'm really stoked about for these shows is like every show has like some variety. I'm doing one in Nashville with the people that I mentioned earlier. Sophie shreds, Stecker and Mavo. It's like a family affair. So going to be nice to round it all out there, but it's really exciting to go to all these cities. I've always just wanted to like explore places and play music. So super stoked about that. Hopefully y'all will will come out. (laughs) Nice. And I guess just to end it off, just like a broader question, I guess, like obviously, I I mean, I'm sure you're sick of hearing about this interviews at this point, but you're obviously a part of so many viral hyper pop moments in the early days with like the Kyoto hyper pop remix. Obviously never met being the big one. I wish I never responded to all those texts. It'll be better if we had just never met. Oh, I wish we never met. We broke up on Pico chat crying on my DS. I went to a birthday party for one of your friends. Now that this is over, I can hate them. I don't have to pretend. Remember so where do you see the hyperpop scene broadly going in the future? Well, it's been it's been an interesting trajectory. Really, because um, I totally thought like after like 2022, like hyper pop was kind of just going to be tucked away in a corner and like there would still be people in that scene keeping it alive, but like it wouldn't be as mainstream. And for the most part, that's kind of happened. But there have been artists that have really broken through like Gex and Glaive and underscores is a name that comes to mind. And then there's people who've been doing it for years and are still a prominent figure of the scene like Umru and ag and stuff i like r.i.p pc music but i know that rest those people peace, are going PC music. to yep. do, rest in peace i know those people are still gonna do those things and keep the culture alive so i thought that's what was gonna happen like point blank but what i see is slowly but surely the hyper pop influence has been seeping its way into more mainstream genres to the point where like I I mentioned Bring Me the Horizon earlier, but like to the point where like I'll listen to a song and they'll have like that one moment of like auto tune and format shift where I'm like, hmm. Yep. 
interesting, funny, funny. Like that's, that's cool. So what I envision (laughs) happening with the scene is like, it's probably going to move in more of a, it's going to move in like two, like the core scene is going to move in like two directions simultaneously. One that's a little more like hard dance, more like the snow strippers, crystal castles kind of like that indie sleaze kind of era as well like frost children's yeah. really um yep pushing that the dare um snow strippers kind the of dare. thing more Love of like dare. that uh dark wave kind of thing a little bit of funk influence i've heard as well like odatari and stuff like that um but um so very gonna- surprising i never saw those two like merging but it's it- it goes hard it, it goes, goes hard. hard so like that's gonna be a thing and then like the hyperpunk uh jacob jeffrey called it laptop rock scene with like tour and um <laughs> gabby and uh searsha dream and stuff like that so i think like in terms of like bleepy bloopy fat 808 that's still gonna have its place but it's not as like mainstream as now where it's like now what we're doing is making this hyper pop genre like more of a melting pot kind of thing and we're kind of bringing our own influences into it and kind of pushing it in a way that's like blending in more but what i want to see is like rather than a bunch of hyperpop artists fully going mainstream and kind of molding to that i want us to be able to meet in the middle because i think that there's a lot that every side can like learn from each other and so if we could make the mainstream pop world a little weirder i think that'd be super sick <laughs> and i think that's all the time we have for today thank you so much for joining us glitchcom thank you so much of course thanks for having me and thank you all for tuning into absurdist electric chair you can find us on tiktok instagram and twitter at absurdist underscore io and at our website absurdist.io if you liked what you heard today and want to follow us along our executionary journey you can follow us or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts you can also rate us five stars or leave a like on the episode to help us spread the absurd word to even more listeners i'm your host and executioner peyton dunn and i'm glitch gum and we'll see you all next time catch you later (laughs) 